Whiskey Business is brought to you by the law offices of Saya and Pyatt and by Marcus Crosswoods Theater. Did you give thanks? Thanksgiving has come and gone and the Christmas season is upon us. We're done with the thankful and have moved on to the get out of my way. I saw it first. Well, that's how it used to be. Black Friday, though still popular, has been replaced by Cyber Monday to the tune of $6.6 billion dollars. That's a lot of cybers, but I digress. With the holidays in full swing, there will no doubt be an increase in people imbibing as well. I can tell you that this year's Thanksgiving people was another whiskey wonderland as we sampled and enjoyed a wonderful assortment of bodacious bourbons and righteous rise. Literally, too many to mention here. But I'll tell those in the whiskey know that George Stagg was present, as well as Pappy Van Winkle, to name drop just a little bit. But I also read recently what type of alcohol you consume can determine how you might actually feel during the holidays, and any other time for that matter. For example, red wine will relax you but make you tired i love red wine but i agree a couple glasses and it's sleepy time white wine they say will keep you in neutral for the most part so however you are when you start drinking white wine is pretty much how you'll stay but whiskey and specifically shots of whiskey they say can make you feel confident and sexy I don't know about sexy, but the confident I get. (laughs) They don't call it a shot of courage for nothing, am I right? But sexy, uh, one, I was with family for Thanksgiving, so sexy wasn't what I was going for. After having a few before dinner and waiting for my turn to say what I was thankful for, I wasn't thinking in my head, I'm thankful to be with my family and even more thankful for how sexy I feel right now. So pass me the sweet potato casserole, baby. It's Thanksgiving. Welcome to Whiskey Business, a podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. And speaking of imbibing, A big thanks to our sponsors, the law offices of Saya and Pyatt, located in Columbus, Delaware, Cleveland, and Mount Gilead. If you do over-imbibe this holiday season, maybe your next call should be to them at 614-444-3036 or at splaws.com or 888-OVI. I'm sorry if some of you know what that stands for. 888-OVIOhio.com with 100 plus years of experience and reputation for results. You can contact them for a free consultation today. And also Marcus Cinema at Crosswoods uh, here in Columbus, Ohio. Crosswoods just off of 23 North where they have the 70-foot wide ultra screen, the Dream Lounger seats, full bar and food if you're looking for 
the movie experience, uh, Marcus Theater's Crosswoods would be the place to go. And uh, I mentioned that second sponsor because our guest tonight, Hansberry, is actually uh, a movie guest of sorts. He's a he's a writer. He's a producer. He's a director. Are you a sometimes actor, Max Grow? In very small fat guy roles. Small fat guy roles. You, yes. you, you you're typecast. Yeah. Max Grow is our guest, and we're going to be talking about a lot of things. Uh, mainly his latest project. Bong of the Living Dead. Yes. Oh, did I not introduce the guest bottle? I didn't introduce the guest bottle. Let's go back to you the know bourbon. What? You know what? Congratulations to you. Normally, it's only happened once or twice yeah. where I've introduced the guest before the guest bottle. I must be excited to talk to you. See? Yeah, see? We're going to talk about Max's latest film, Bong of the Living Dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if the title doesn't say it all, people, uh, Max will tell us the rest of it. But we are... You, you, you made a a large person reference to yourself. So I picked tonight, in your honor, a very large bourbon. Yeah, bring it on. Uh, as far as the proof goes, what we have here tonight is Stag Jr. And if you're wondering what the junior means, yeah, it's the it's pretty much the whiskey son of George Stag, which is one of the most sought after and, uh, Oh, gosh, I can't say enough good things about George Stagg as far as the bourbon goes. But where George Stagg is aged between 15 to 18 years and only made once a year, Stagg Jr. is made a couple, three times a year and is only uh, eight to nine years old and comes from eight to nine-year-old barrels and is made. But it is barrel-proof, and it is 134.4 proof. So what I've said before... With whiskey, let water be your friend. Hansberry, Max is a big guy. I'm not saying you're a little guy, but <laughs> let this one sit a little bit. Let it sit a little bit. Let the water be its friend. Have you had a sip of it yet? Uh, I'm beating you guys right now. Oh, really? Yeah, right, I've had so, three or four. <laughs> so what do you think? It's actually, it is strong, like you said. It's mm. a big whiskey, uh, but it tastes delightful. And for as high a proof as this is, I would expect it to be like burning like moonshine oh, see i think down. i personally think it is kind of hot it's got a it's got a long finish and i feel it at the end yeah that first sip especially feels a little hot to me it's also a little woody in my opinion maybe too woody too woody too woody at times i call it a cocky bourbon trying to be something that it's not it's daddy <laughs> which is George. <laughs> it's, it's never going to fill his shoes, though. It's never going to fill his shoes. He's got that kind of, like, regret. <laughs> it's, you know I'm what, though? What? It, smells, it smells like Werther's original. It smells delightful. Okay. It's that's very caramely. There, there are hints of caramel and vanilla and some cinnamon Doesn't in it? there. Yeah. It smells very, like a Werther's original. Who knew you had a nose for whiskey? I have a very distinct palate. Do you have a good palate? I'm, I've been cooking my whole life. I like to think I do have a good palate. Are you, you've been, you, are you cooking in that you like to cook or that you're a chef? I mean, I've worked in the restaurant business. I would never call myself a chef, but I watch a lot of Food Network, and I've been cooking for 30 years. I, I knocked out the entire Thanksgiving dinner last week. Oh, really? In a leisurely six-hour stroll through the kitchen. It was awesome. All the sides, everything. He did it all. Did and and loved doing every every minute of it? Yeah, I got Thanksgiving down. How many years have you been doing that? 
Uh, well, it, we don't always do the traditional turkey and, and, and stuffing sometimes. And turkey's like, like my least favorite thing at Thanksgiving. Yeah, I made a bunch of chicken legs in a rotisserie that rocked it this year. They were awesome. I brined them with the turkey, and they were, I think, a bigger hit than the turkey itself. But. Knowing your gregarious personality, as I've, as I've known you, we'll go, we'll go back to how we met here in a little bit, but knowing the personality you have, the sense of humor you have, uh, the presence you have, Make sure we take a picture, Max, and put it on the website. How are you not doing a cooking show? I don't know. How are you not? How are you not? How are you like the next new thing on Food Network? I mean, people have asked me that before. There's a great show, uh, Action Bronson, who's another very large man, uh, a, a, a rapper, musician, producer, and food aficionado, has a show called Fuck That's Delicious. Can I swear on you? No, you can do yeah. anything you want. So it's well, called not anything you want. <laughs> We're not that kind of podcast. The but. show is called Fuck That's Delicious, and he makes great stuff. It's kind of stoner food. I think it might have just been picked up by Munchies, which is like a BuzzFeed or something. might be on Vice. Uh, but they, uh, I would do something like that in a heartbeat, I think. I mean, that's, a, that's, that's what a lot of people would probably expect to come out of you, but I think you could actually twist a little bit and like you know what you see is not everything you're going to get i do like and, that stuff i like and and surprise people i like messing with people That's yeah <laughs> i want to congratulate you on some of your successes leading up to bong of the living dead the most recent one uh the 48 hour film competition uh, a leg of it here in columbus ohio uh you won uh, we here, did and here in columbus which means you get to move on to the national level correct uh international international so uh it's it, uh film it will be playing at filmapalooza which is kind of like the playoffs of the 48 mm -hmm. it's in a different city every year i think they move around every and what year. genre did you get because in at the at the 48 hour film festival you you randomly pick a genre and then you have literally 48 hours to to write shoot produce edit score and and turn it back in yeah precisely conception to completion every film has to include a prop a character and a line of dialogue everyone has those things to incorporate and then you randomly draw the genres out of a hat what'd you draw so you, the way it works is you get uh two and you can do either we picked uh thriller suspense or silent film mm. and i was really excited about that because we had talked about doing something different this year for the 48 the whole time i was really not sick, but every I, I, I've you know we've I think this was the tenth year in Columbus, and uh, I've gone every year to see a, a, every film. I might have missed one or two screenings of a section of the films, but overall there's there's just one common factor, and it's just a scene. Everyone's just making scenes. Uh, some of them have a beginning, a middle, and an end, right. but none of them feel like a film or a short film. It's just you know reverse shot over the shoulder two shot like scene kind and, of saturday night live skit stuff. and in defense of some of those filmmakers some of them are truly novice filmmakers first time they've ever oh, gotten behind absolutely. a camera and some of those skits are really good yeah. it's not to say that i haven't seen some great 48s over the years but nothing has like stood out and uh, at least in columbus and said whoa that's like a movie so this year i was like we're not going to write the script all night and then have me alone by myself banging out a shot list at five in the morning before everyone gets there. Yeah, I remember that. I was like, let's just get an outline, bang out a shot list with everyone there, our art person, our, our cinematographer, everyone in the room. Let's bang out what we're going to shoot. And then while you guys all go pass out, I'll just script it into some sort of story. I don't, we didn't even really look at the script. We just shot 
and then we were like uh we'll just shoot 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 and then let's just throw something together and uh getting silent film or thriller suspense we kind of decided we would do a little bit of both um we recorded a bunch of sound uh but there was very little talking in the film we included the line um it's uh, real quick just a story about a painter that is um trying to recreate this famous painting called the death of marat it's a famous french painting kind of looks like a suicide scene and this painter is recreating this with this woman that wakes up uh not knowing what's going on uh throughout the film she kind of attempts an escape uh to come out of her like chloroform days and really it's just an image heavy suspense builder we just wanted to emit emotions from people and and the 48s aren't long how long was it uh it was seven minutes you got to be like four to eight minutes long Mm -hmm. so i just wanted to hit people with with as many crazy suspense building techniques and i I want to see it out i was not in town for the 48 so i missed it and uh i definitely want to check it out i am remiss in that i've not seen that film i have not seen the much praised documentary which centered and focused on you as well tell me about that um, so that was a, a documentary uh, about myself going vegan for 30 days. Vegan is uh, no animal products at all. No, no, and anything processed by an animal, like down to honey, you don't, you don't eat. And uh, I had a friend uh, on set. He was a, he actually shot Bong the Dead, Justin Russell, who's uh, the, the, just the pinnacle of health. This guy runs like 50K marathons through the woods. He's Hate vegan. Already. Hate him already. Right? Yeah, we're, we're exact opposites, <laughs> which is why we get along so well. But we're on set, and I was constantly giving him shit about being vegan. He, like, packs his own rice for lunch, you know, and I was just constantly giving him hell, so much so that we kind of made a bet, and I said, I'll go vegan for a week, and I'll show you I'll be a better vegan than you. I'll, uh-huh. I'll cook some good shit, you know, and, uh, you know, I've been interested in this for a while. Uh and he said, well, if you do it for a month, you got a deal. And David Jeffries, another filmmaker buddy on set, was like, well, you, if you guys do that, you should definitely film it. And about three weeks later, Justin showed up at uh, 7 in the morning at my mom's house where I live and followed me around like 8 to 10 hours a day, sometimes more, for 30 days straight while I, working at a pizza place, went vegan. And I, I was successful. I, I, I made it. Uh, but the documentary became so much more. It's not really about the bet or the veganism. No. Uh, it was originally called, which I, a title I really like, called Out of My Vegan Mind. Because <laughs> the, that's what I would tell him. I'd say, you're out of your vegan mind. You know, like, and uh, the title has since been changed to Big Macs, which is kind of a play on the supersized sure. McDonald's thing, you know. Uh, it's more because it was kind of meat max. It was be, just became more about me because I like everything to be about me, me, me. So, you know, he's constantly like, don't talk to me. Don't look at the camera. And of course, I mean, 12 hours a day, I was just uh, naturally talking to him and our, our right. other crew guy, Cole. I just, they became part of the doc and it became something different. It's really funny. It was really embarrassing to watch with my mother in the audience. Cause we did have one screening before Justin went forwarding around the country in an Airstream trailer. But, uh, I did just recently hear that the film has a distributor and is pitching some uh, o- online formats. So we might be able to see the documentary Big Max where I, you know, 
am an awesome vegan. Did you uh, did, did you lose any lbs in the process? Oh, tons. Yeah, in yeah. thirty days. In thirty days, dropped about sixty pounds. And get then the hell out. Probably about a hundred pounds. I did it. I ended up doing it for about nine months. Uh, there might have been one so non-vegan splurge towards the okay, end of that so documentary, you, but other did than that, you cross over? Were you were you kind of digging it? Were you like, okay, I, I could? I did. This, it changed it, me. It, I it, never it, said it would. I was very very uh, uh, judgmental of the vegan lifestyle, right? And he would tell me things like, "I tell you what, I crave tofu," and I would say, "You're fucking crazy." <laughs> And he would say, I shit you not, like, you're craving brownies or you're craving a steak. I will crave white rice. And I was like, no way. No. And uh, there is a point he gave me this vlogger camera if he wasn't around to, like, shoot stuff on my own. And I was getting gas and it was pouring down rain cold because uh, we did this from uh, oh actually getting gasoline yeah oh not not <laughs> yeah. no, 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 you, you're vegan you get some gas <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you. it's like a uh, you're filming everything it's great <laughs> but uh, I, I I had to vlog because I was sitting in the car and I wanted some fucking tofu like fried to, I just was like drooling over it and I had to vlog out that oh my god it happened like I'm only like 19 days in, and I was craving it. And I sure enough, I went home, made some tofu, ate it, jerked off, watched a movie, just like it was a pizza and <laughs> is a that two liter. Part of the vegan lifestyle. Yeah, well, uh, the there was a off? running joke. We don't know uh, if sperm uh, is vegan. <laughs> I mean, it's not processed it's by got, an animal. You know, but, I you bet know. you, it, I bet you, it changes your sperm. Yeah, I bet you the, the consistency Let's of it. Let's do it for another month and find out. I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm just speculating. <laughs> this has gone so far from stag bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I told you we we start down a path, and yeah. we have, we have a tendency to take uh, unexpected exits along the way. Did it change you um, emotionally? You know, it 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 did because I I still do adhere to some of the vegan things uh i i still this was four years ago we did it while we were finishing up bong of the living dead uh we did it over a thanksgiving it was november was the month i chose and i um haven't gone back to a non-vegan butter i still use earth balance i don't eat a lot of red meat at all and i very rarely get i don't get bacon on the cheeseburgers anymore i still get the the tofu at bibby bop so now you're somewhere in the in the middle i mean it's mostly vegan but every once in a while you will allow yourself the occasional vacation it's more like uh i will occasionally call myself a vegan for a couple days Mm -hmm. because i mean i'm i'll still pound a burger from a fast food joint or something you know yeah um i'd like to get back into it though and i never thought and for four years i've been saying that and i i mean i haven't because i'm a master at not doing things <laughs> where does where does uh, but, uh booze come into the vegan world there you know some boozes are some are not beers uh they use like a piece of uh, a fish actually i think it's the like webbing that holds fish guts in they filter some liquors and and, and beers through it i remember when people were on the uh when the atkins diet was really popular oh, carbs everywhere but yeah. scotch and and vodka were like good yeah, liquors the, to drink the clear yeah on, on the atkins diet always cause. makes me think of dr strange love yeah. <laughs> he's just talking about the clear spirits the clear spirits clear alcohol because i tried the atkins this is diet. not clear this no is, this this is brown baby this is this is this, this is this is this is woody 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 brown uh and yeah max is kicking our ass he's already i told down you i got fir- kentucky first, but, well dude you know what it's an open poor policy here on whiskey business so you you pour your own whenever you think you're ready Sounds to, good. to do so. 
Let's talk about the the latest venture, which took how many years? How many years did it take to make Bong? All told, we... For, for, first of all, full title, Bong of the Living Dead? Bong of the Living Dead. All right, because we want people to be able to find it when it's available. We, we worked on it so long that it was Bong of the Dead and a whole other movie pre-proed, shot, and came out while we were still writing our script. And so. tell me, Max, if you would, what's the premise? Well... <laughs> It's uh, it's about code breakers in World War II. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, we really switch one on the title, yeah, you know. Yeah. You think you're getting a zombie stoner flick? It is. It is. Really it is, is. What it's as advertised. It's as advertised. I will say, I uh, I did now. This one I did see, and I, I loved it. So we could uh, that this one I can't comment on. I was glad to see you there. That was an awesome premiere. We had a great premiere for Bong at the Nightmares Film Festival. Uh, it's. It was, it was a sold-out show. The place was packed. It was mostly friends and family. So, so? Uh, you know, uh, we kind of stacked the deck there. But that's the beauty of this movie. There's probably 200 people in the credits, and that's only a, a tip of the iceberg. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it did have a great premiere. It was 14 years in the making. That to your How many? Question. 14. 14 Probably years? more like 15. Didn't Scorsese work on a film for 14 years here recently? That's why we did it. Yeah. No, no, did you follow was... the Scorsese mode of, of... I tell you. Why 14 years? 14 well, years from conception to completion? Yeah, and I'll, I'll say, so 10 years of that um, was us purposefully keeping this thing in our own garage and working on it uh, kind of as a hobby. We wanted to write a script, and then we said... This is a movie we really want to make. We couldn't decide uh, if we were going to make a zombie movie or a stoner movie. Mm-hmm. And we said, well, let's make both. Let's make both. And my, my buddy Vince Restivo was sitting right there and goes, you call it Bong of the Living Dead. And everyone was in right there. We were actually shooting another horror movie and on set these kind of jokes run. And so throughout the set, people would be like, well, what about uh, Medieval Dead? No, 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 no. no. Bon- let, let's let's keep it with stoners and Bong of the Living Dead. We like that, you know. And so, kind of as that movie wrapped up, we were like, let's just write the script for Bong, uh, our 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 shortened title, Bong, mm-hmm. uh, and let's just keep writing it until maybe we might be able to do it. Well, about a year of writing, we had a couple drafts out. We set up a a table read and got some local actors to go to a library, and we read it out loud, and it was hilarious. It was also 120 pages long, uh, probably like 30 characters. It was car chases. There was jumping off buildings, you know. and uh, Epic. It was was an epic. (laughs) It was just too much to shoot. And I remember it was a conversation at an indie club about – 12 years ago where someone said you know are you writing scripts to sell or are you writing something that you want to shoot which was it oh we wanted to make this thing i mean that's why we wrote it so you didn't at the time when you were making it you had uh zero what? experience zero money we had and, nothing and zero expectations and zero expectations as far that's as, right right as we just kept writing it we just kept doing drafts and but eventually at some point you've got to say okay it's done. We actually have to shoot this. Uh, that that happened four years ago. Okay. Uh, we had already done a, a second, maybe a third table read. It was the twenty seventh draft of the script. It was really tight. 
We had catered. I think it it's remarkable that stoners can down. remember that there were actually 27 drafts of. A well, if it didn't say version 27 on the cover page, I'd have no idea. And we have since gone back and read some of those early versions, and are like, "Who the fuck is Mike? Is, this is a whole character, you know." So like, there's been some you know different versions of this, but we really wanted to. Sh- we 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 wrote one that we could shoot, that we thought we could manage, and uh, we. We're sitting around, and I think it was there was some sort of influx of money. I think uh, that just spurred Tim on to say, "If we don't shoot bong now, we're never going to do it. Let's okay. just do it." So we took two weeks, kicked his mom out of her house, uh, moved the crew, all the gear in there. We boarded it up uh, and uh, shot a zombie movie for you know two weeks. A couple weekends uh, later, we pulled about uh, 50, 75 zombie extras out uh, for a Saturday, Sunday, kind of everything zombie we needed. Um, and I, I got to give you your props on that, too. The zombies look great. I mean, for a low, low-budget film, we had a I, great, I, I thought the zombies looked great, uh, uh, amazingly effective and, and real. It was uh, There were 80s-style zombies. They're slightly corny, but the kind I love. Yeah. Um, and we, we had a lot of them. We had, uh, several guys get their faces molded for, uh, we had, you know, a couple stunt guys each played like nine or 10 zombies each. And they were all different made up. Uh, Scott Slager at morbid effects. I had met him years and years and years ago. Um, kind of, uh, around the set of the movie where, where bong first, uh, it came to life was on another horror movie called bloody Mary. And I met Scott back in those days, and had just had him in the back of my mind. He'd always said, I make cool zombies if you ever got something. And we gave him a materials budget and a very, very moderate fee. And he went to town, man, and brought a team of volunteers. And, I mean, there's we got some good-looking zombies. And he, no, I thought, you know. Big hordes of them, too, you know. Yeah, lo- lots of them. I mean, you, you, there's too you many must people. Be, Don't uh, do a zombie uh, movie uh, if you're doing a first feature. Don't do a zombie movie. It's well, too many people. Isn't that kind of a with. credit to you, though, not to blow smoke up your ass, but you're kind of a Pied Piper and that you were able to, to draw that many people into your project? And the fact that it took four years, and I'm going to talk about the the people in the house, the, the, the main cast. Um, you know, we went recently went through that where we thought it was uh, so laborious to keep people together to shoot our recent film over the course of nine months streets where we live yeah to keep a cast together and and to keep everybody in the right frame of mind you're talking over the course of four years but you did most would you say how much of the shooting happened in those two weeks did you you figure you got most of it in the in the two weeks Uh, we got about 75 percent of our of our main people there's there's as much footage of the shit they're watching on tv as as there is that they're in we had to shoot everything they watch on tv and that happened a full almost two years later in the studio so it was almost like two shoots but so um, how hard was it to get people to 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 recreate how they looked and were with a two-year gap there's some that you know what because i really didn't notice it that much there was a couple beard length issues and a couple hair length issues i've learned in making you can shove and hide so many things in the edit people your brain connects the dots, even if I'd show you some of the stuff where I'm like, look, that, there's a shot of me because I was the only one with a beard at the time and I had to eat cereal and it's supposed to be the bearded character in the movie. No one knows that. Okay, once now. again, credit to the, to the film because if I'm noticing beard lengths, 
<laughs> you're not paying attention. I'm not paying, I'm not paying exactly, attention to the yeah. movie. I'm not digging the movie. That's I'm my not, attitude. I'm like, throw it on the IMDb y- trivia. You know, if, right. I, if I'm noticing, you know what, you know, his beard, his, his beard was longer long. and it's shorter than that one, then I'm not really digging the movie, which so I did not notice any of those things. I just enjoyed the whole experience of it um, from start to finish. So in, in, in the basic premise of the film is, if you were pitching it in a nutshell. If I were pitching it in a nutshell, I would just say that it is a story of lifelong friends who have always dreamed of the zombie apocalypse. Dreamed of it. Like, like wanted it to happen. Fantasized about it, loved movies about it. What would happen if it really happened? They just grew up talking about it. Um, well, it finally happens. But when it's not all uh, it's cracked up to be, they just pretty much smoke weed until uh, they miss out on every opportunity to save themselves or participate in the the zombie uh, extinction. So, uh, you know, as the as the weed kind of runs out, uh, so does their, you know, (laughs) sanity. And, uh, And you know, we just always we we told people it was half uh, Pineapple Express and half 28 Days Later. I really wanted a shift in the film. I really wanted half of it to be fun, happy-go-lucky stoner movie. And then I wanted uh, kind of shit to hit the fan and for it to get real and to kind of end on an apocalyptic zombie movie tone. Do you think um, you were successful? You know what? I, I think uh, for, for what we were dealing with, so you learn when you're making movies, everything changes. It changes mm-hmm. once you get the idea onto a paper. It changes from paper to, to, to the film. And then right. it changes in, in the edit. And for all the changes and compromises we had to make, I am really happy with how the film uh, displays two different tones. Because there, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, uh, uh, I was digging the whole, you know, the comedy portion of it and the absurdity of it, and then it, it took a it took a serious. It, it gets a little real. It got a, it got a little real, and and it was and it was a little jolting. I, not that I didn't like it, but I was it surprised me. I think it's it's supposed to. And it, 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 people have noticed it. We've got a couple reviews, you know, um, I, but mostly positive. I think people realize it was an intentional thing to kind of uh, pull, pull one over on you, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, when we were joking, we lo- I've always, we've always loved the title. I mean, when we, we've just always it's, loved it. It's quite and possibly one of the greatest titles I've ever heard. Uh, I've never heard of a more self-explanatory title in my entire it'll life. Get, it'll that get I, you there. That I know exactly what I'm going to expect. Bong of the Living Dead. I think I know what I'm getting. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times we're on set with a fog machine, like hazing <laughs> it up, and Justin be behind the camera going, no, 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 way too much, way too much. And I'd be like, I mean, it's called Bong of the Living Dead. Yeah. Okay, more smoke. More bring, smoke. It, bring it in. You know? <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, we, we talk about the title, and I've, uh, for years I've been saying uh, my goal is for someone to see this at a convention or a film festival and to go home and tell their loved one or their friend about the movies they saw and then go. And then there was this one. It was called Bong of the Living Dead. And the buddy would go, oh, was it funny? And they would go, no. <laughs> no. Well, well yeah, it was, it was. And then it got real, dude. Yeah, and- that's the whole point. Fuck with the stoners, right? <laughs> <laughs> why would why would you want to fuck with your own kind? That's just a stoner thing. I guess. <laughs> uh, kudos to your cast, everybody. I mean, uh, obviously being Hello. pent up in that house for two weeks, it worked. I mean, all those people worked really well together. And I want to compliment you also on the kids 
because when you flash back to where you, when you guys were all kids, those kids looked like they would have grown up to be the adults that you guys are in the film. Not an easy thing to do. No, and, and I tell you what, the kids we were most worried about, and see, we did, we did uh, I, I saw about 175 people live for an audition for Bong. Uh, massive weekend of auditions. Uh, we included the kid parts, but we didn't have them reading any sides because uh, they're all about like banging and ass fucking and weed and mm-hmm. you know so you know uh i i pretty much just got to work with the kids on an improv level and I've, i would have them pretend to do stuff and walk like a zombie and stuff and uh well we really we found uh the the young girl we found her uh through there she was incredible and she just had the same hair color as 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 as, as uh lara mock our actress so we were really happy with her didn't see any other kid not not even a, no kids were good none of them even looked like it in the course of filming the other three kid roles were filled by crew members kids that just showed up and looked exactly like our actors they did and we were remarkable. just like oh my god that's, oh my god oh, you. that's divine intervention so right it there, really man. worked that's... out and they were great i love mm-hmm. working with kids uh they had a blast it was long enough now that now they're probably all old enough to see the movie because uh it's been five years so they uh they had a blast. I, I I thought they were really well cast as let, well. Let me ask you this, because um, you know I always watch things, and then I I always ask myself where could it go next, and you know I wasn't thinking sequel when when I saw this at all. But what I was thinking, given the still very popular uh, love for zombies and the variety of different things I've seen on television lately. You know, obviously, Walking Dead, Fear of the Walking Dead. I think the uh, sci-fi's got a eye uh, zombie, eye uh, zombie, or, and, and uh, zombie nation, yep. and so forth and so on. When I walked out of there, I thought to myself, that could be a, a series. Those those people, stoners, in the zombie apocalypse, but you know, staying stoners and and living their lives, but you know, pot being a big part of their lives. And 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 trying to find pot in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, you could encounter all different it's, sorts of stoners. Yeah, like the hippie lot, commune, uh, yeah. and like you could just like run across all the different types of weed smokers. That that could be that could be streaming on Netflix as a series. Yeah, I mean, uh, have you I'm ever thought about that? I we so originally uh, back in the day we always talked this was a trilogy, but not uh, like the next one would be uh, medieval, mm-hmm. and then there was going to be one that. Was called the whole fucking world is overrun by zombies and was just chaos and our big budget one, you know, not uh, really linked, but just kind of in a series. But kinda. I never thought of a sequel until we did a couple screenings and people were like, you know, you, people are going to want a sequel or something else. Um, I mean, <laughs> it would be awesome if someone's paying for it, you know. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm saying it's it, it's there. There's there's stories to be told, and the beauty about a series is you know why you can base it on the film. Some of the people that I don't, spoiler alert I don't want to say who dies in the movie, but you know in a series you know those people c- can come back and and you could start anew with the basic premise. It, and, it and and go from there. It does lend itself to a good series or another. Film I think or so. Something. I mean, that's what I thought. I thought there were a lot more stories that probably could have been told 
over the course of time. Like Mike's. Mm-hmm. Like Mike's. Mike, we who didn't, who we forgot was about Mike. Who was in draft <laughs> three? Three. We just go back to all those, you know. <laughs> At one point, there was a guy named Sid who was an extreme prepper and survivalist, and he made, like, booby traps for the zombies. Okay, I, okay. I miss, I yeah. miss Sid. There Sid you go, man. Cool. Uh, episode five. They it's meet like, Sid. Yeah. He's smoking a bong. Yeah. It's like Armachone. Yeah. <laughs> Something to think about. Something to think about. He's got the bong on his bag, like pulls it out. And if you do a series, I want to come on as executive producer. <laughs> you got it. And zombie number four. And zombie number four. Yeah. <laughs> when did you actually start or have the thought that, you know, I want to make movies someday? When did when did that first get into your head? So I was always into theater. I was like a child actor. I did like stuff at the Davis Center. I did a couple things with Columbus Children's Theater, you know, and with all the stage school actor. stuff so on, on the stage. Do um, you remember some of the performances you did as a, as a young child that, that actually gave you the bug? Uh, my, my very first thing, I was an Oompa Loompa in a, in a production at uh, Columbus Children's Theater. Wait, Junior Theater. It, was junior, it used to be Columbus Junior Theater. Now it's Columbus Children's Theater. Either so way, you were still an Oompa Loompa. I was Oompa Loompa, third grade. Yeah. Uh, I was in a, I was the Herald in a, a, a production of Cinderella. Nice. I got to announce Cinderella. Uh, then in high school, I started killing it. I got all the leads and the musicals and the dramas. Uh, you can sing? <laughs> you didn't think so until we did Hello, Dolly, and I had to, you know, Walter Matthau it up. So I... I, I, I've worked really hard on that one. I can't really sing. Uh, I, I got the part that we did. Uh, they gave me like the mute king in The Princess and the Pea, so I didn't have to sing. They worked around me because uh, I was a comedic genius. <laughs> uh, and I went to a school in Chicago. I went to Columbia for theater, um, and it was there. Uh, see, I worked at a video store. I worked at Video Central. Uh, uh, well, I, I work at Video Central in, on Bethel Road now, but I used to work at Video Villa, then Clintonville Video, uh, on Indianola back in the 90s. And so I, I always had a love for movies, but I, I was an actor. Well, I got up to Chicago. 85% of the school is film people. Uh, all my roommates, all my friends are film people. They've got hundreds of DVDs. They've got, like, these sweet cameras that film on mini right. TV. You know, they're making movies. And, you know, we're there for a couple of days, and i am already got the filmmaking bug. We've already shot, like, a short movie, you know. Uh, and we get to sign up for classes on Monday, and there's only one little table for the theater kids, and it's freaking packed because there's only one place to sign up for all your classes. There's literally 30 tables around the place for film, and the people are just walking up. And I, it was right there that I was like, I'm going to make the next Pulp Fiction. And I went to a different table, and I signed up for all film classes and changed my major. So I guess it was in Columbia, 2000. Where you got the really, I really got like, the bug. Now I'm gonna make Do you ever get Kevin Smith comparisons with the whole, you know, with the working in the video store and the whole clerks and so forth and so on? I mean, and, really, I don't mind it. That's it's, it's, sweet. Not, it's not a bad comparison. He's yeah. done very well for himself, but it's it seems like that's it's a it's a similar path of of sorts. It. it I guess you could say uh, it was similar. Quentin Tarantino is known for working at a video right, store, right? Exactly. But really, uh, if you're, if you endure making movies, especially at this level where there's no money, right. you love them. So, like whether you work at a movie store or whether you watch a lot of movies, uh, we're all 
film lovers, like it's for the love of the game at this level, especially that it doesn't surprise me that people make comparisons that, you know, I like movies as much as Kevin Smith. Or, can, can we see anywhere the very first Max Grow film effort? What was the first thing you shot and what was it? Do you remember? Harvey, you have to remember. You have to remember the first piece I, of film you put out there. Well, it's weird because, see, I grew up right on the edge of the Internet. So, like, you know, I have movies that are, like, buried on a mini DV that no one will ever see. Why somewhere. not? Why? I mean, well, at this point, they, they are around. Um, but the first thing I think I put online mm -hmm. is an uh, experimental film called uh, Lost. Lyles from the next exit. <laughs> <laughs> and really, we just put my roommate in a bunch of situations and filmed him with my new camera. And <laughs> we put it to some crazy techno shit, and people ate it up. Did I, they? Yeah, I actually lied and said that I shot it for a, a class at Columbus State. I, I, I was only in Chicago for a, about a year before I came back here, and I did one semester at like Ohio Chicago's Columbus lost, Columbus is gay. Yeah, Chicago's lost. Columbus's gain. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I am glad that I came back here and I'm kind of just I actually used the money that I got to buy books to buy this camera and then spent 10 years paying OSU back or no, 10 years not paying them and another 10 paying them back <laughs> for the camera. I shot my first feature on um, what was your first feature. It was called Bloody Mary. Oh, that, oh, you mentioned Bloody Mary yeah, earlier. It, OK, that was yours. That was us. Oh, we, that was uh, you guys. We shot it uh, very similar to Bong of the Living Dead. It took way too long. It was about the urban legend Bloody Mary, who when you say her name in the mirror, she'd come kill right. you. And for some reason, she did it while everyone was at Studio 35. So they got trapped in the movie theater. And then uh, Bloody Mary came and killed them all off one by one. What do you think of that movie when you look back at it now? It's awesome. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. Uh, and, you know... We produced a really awesome movie. It's only a little over an hour long, but there's like 20 death scenes, you know, tons of people in it. Uh, we got to film in Studio 35. We got to make a fake cheesy barbarian movie to put up on the projector there. And it was just a, a fun movie. And without that, never, never would have said, okay, now I got to learn to do it right. Mm -hmm. and, and really, that after Bloody Mary, I really uh, tried to just submerge myself in Columbus filmmaking. I helped on everything I could get my hands on. I was just every set. I was learning something different. Uh, I was building relationships and, and, and like meeting people that not that I still associate with to this day. We met on the set of a, a short film called Eroded. Right. I yep. was I was a co-producer on that one. It was my first acting was OK. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, for those of you who are listening he's actually staring at john osbeck uh who popped in to to listen in on this a little bit john john who's john who's been uh on our podcast whiskey business uh, an actor's life early. early if you want to go back and listen to that podcast but john was the lead and he wrote it and you and i uh, we're sent out to look for some locations we we, we hunted down locations yeah but we bought bourbon as gifts. We bought Do you bourbon that? as gifts. Yes, we did. We yes. paid people off with bourbon on that. Yeah, thing. we did. Yeah, and uh, and <laughs> that's when our friendship started back then. And I knew right then I like this guy. He's got the same uh, approach to people as far uh, in in the film world that, that I did. Make them happy because you got no, you know if you got no money, just 
Feed them. Feed them. Make your people Don't happy. Don't work them to death. Have treat them with re- treat them with respect. Give them bourbon. Yeah, give them bourbon, whatever it takes, because they are the lifeline of what you're doing. What do you think your strength is, as far as for what you what, if you had to list your you know are you a better writer? Are you a better producer? Are you a better director? I you know I I try to. I guess ultimately I'd like to be a director, Mm -hmm. I guess, or a producer because I like to play to my strengths, which I think my strength is just working with people and compromising and and, uh, setting a a vision for a plan and delegating people to follow through. Let me go back to a very key word there, compromising. Do Do you find that that is hard to do as a director when you have a vision? I don't particularly. I always say if you... Have a differing, you know, if you have a different opinion about something, if you can back it up, if you can say why you think that is, uh, I will take that idea like that. So you'll listen. Uh, absolutely. Um, I do reserve the right, I guess, occasionally to veto, but very rarely, I think, am I correct on all my, my vision, you know? So if someone's like, hey, it would be a lot cooler if, to me, nine times out of ten, I'm like, if, if, if I'm not like, yes, let's do that, I'm like, mm-hmm. maybe not that, but what if it does it here? And to me, so many good ideas in movies especially are born out of that collaboration that if you don't listen to that stuff, you're an idiot. Uh, I really have always, even with like writing, I'm, I'm, I'm very good with like peer critiques because I, I think, especially with film, it's a collaborative art. If everyone's on the same page and everyone, you know, that feels that they have something to add, you know, is open to that. I think it makes for a better piece because mm-hmm. ultimately you make some better decisions. Uh, especially in nine times out of 10, like if, if I'm, on, if I'm hanging back and I'm seeing something happen on set that I'm not really getting, that would spur me on to make a suggestion, you know? So it's like, maybe they're saying something cause they don't understand what the fuck is going on. Right. And if they're not, and they're there, your audience isn't going to get it either. You know, so I, I think that is, I think one of my biggest strengths would be that ability to take uh, crit- criticisms. And do you like working with the same group of people? I mean, absolutely. I, I, I think. Do, it, do you have, I guess I'm saying, do you, in a lot of your projects, are we, if we were to look at the, the, uh, the Max Grow uh, anthology, and would we see a lot of the same actors? Absolutely. Tiffany Arnold, I'll put in anything I ever make for till the day that I die. Right. I mean, I, I love her. We work well together. Um, she's part of Backward Slate. Uh, Backward Slate is my little LLC, the garage band of, of, of filmmaking. You know, we have a name. Uh, we, it's not like we provide a lot of services. We don't do stuff for money. Uh, but Hello, Never that's the Luck our crew. Pro- Never the Luck Productions. Exactly. Yeah, Everyone's yeah. got one. <laughs> But backwardsly, I really like it. Like uh, thinking it, thinking of it as a filmmaking troupe. It's just kind of an extended family group of people that on any one shoot can come together and work really well together. Yeah. Uh, um, so it's not like I'm opposed to working with new people, or it's the exact same seven people every time. Right. But there's an extended backwardsly filmmaking family. But don't and, you think that if you were to bring someone new into the mix, that they would you'd have to like have a nod of approval like okay this guy or this girl it happens will, will, it happens will, will on work. set it happens on set because yeah. i will say we we work uh 
because we've worked well together, we tease each other. We're, we're mm-hmm. you know, you have this, uh, it's almost like a new girlfriend coming in to right. like family Thanksgiving right off the bat where it's going to be awkward because you've all known each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people, though, that uh, recognize that it's a cool environment just immediately rise to the top and that we pull them into our family and they're now one of us, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, That's we, cool. we have had a couple people. There was a sound guy for Bong that was really into us. We had him. Uh, we secured him. We, you know, we weren't paying like anything, so we were happy to get him. Uh, talked to him a lot. Day before the shoot, he came back and said, "You know what? I went through the script. I control left Jesus. It's way too blasphemous for me. I can't participate." Wow. And I was like, "Control left yourself. Uh, now I'm screwed." Uh, the main character's name is Christ. You know, like you knew it was blasphemous. It's called Bong of the Living Dead. Like you know, you can't. We say Jesus or goddamn, and you you know you're out. Sure. So yeah, we're not gonna work with that guy again. But other people, they rise right to the top, and you just want to just want to work with them again. And that's all, I, I like to work with a lot of people. My projects are really big. I think a lot of people get involved. I want to work on a Max Girl production. You're in, dude. Zombie wanna, number four. We do, talk about it. <laughs> Zombie number Osbeck's four. Osbeck's in, too. <laughs> yeah. Hansberry, Hansberry's always wanting to we'll get in on something. Bourbon of the Living Dead. I notice a theme. Bloody Mary, Bong of the Living Dead. I know you, you seem like you have an affection for uh, the horror genre. But knowing you over the years, as long as I've known you, and, and even tonight, just listening to you and knowing what some of your other interests are, is there another kind of film that you would like to make that completely obliterates and goes against everything you've done in the past? So, I uh, I do like the horror genre. Yeah. And that's fine. mostly because they're the most fun to make. All right. They're, they're, they're just fun. It's not like I'm a horror-only guy. I do no. make a lot of good movies. Which is why I asked the question, because uh, I, I, I I've can't help... i documentary, if, right? That's fine, too. You're, you were part of that documentary. You were kind of the star of the documentary. But is there something else in there? I have a dream project. That's what it's I'm getting ba- at. It's, it's based on a book, so it would be an adaptation. All right. Spencerville is the book, and it's Nelson DeMille. Nelson DeMille, who's uh, a, who writes a lot of uh, action. Yeah. Uh, General's Daughter is right, right, right. made into a movie. Yeah. Um, it takes place in Spencerville, Ohio, and it's just a small town, farm town, uh, kind of one of the things where the guy that left the girl on, uh, uh, high school prom, like stood her up. He went right to the army. He was like a killer, uh, assassin, uh, special ops, and then like administrative, he retires and he goes back home and his old girlfriend is with the abusive masochist sheriff that used to be the school bully. And he kind of teams up with his old stoner farmer friend and fights the sheriff department in this small town. It kind of starts like a kind of like pranking game uh, that turns deadly and turns into the second half of his movie's like freaking first blood. That was that's my dream project. It's something it's a it's a really simple kind of stark, uh, tense thriller that turns into like Rambo. Okay, <laughs> but. That, that that is something I think it's different than anything I've done, uh, and it's uh, it's a book I, I really like. I've been reading and that I've been talking about doing it, that for years. So that's like my dream project. I think that would surprise people the most that the Bong of the Living Dead kid did made, this made movie. A Nelson DeMille made a, made, made a yeah. movie based on a book by Nelson DeMille. Yeah. 
So that, that, or, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Or. Or. Uh, or. Uh, it, it would be cool to do, uh, uh, you know, I have an idea for another documentary mm-hmm. uh, that uh, is about Dungeons and Dragons, which uh, I play still. Um, and it kind of, it's a full doc about just a group of guys been playing D&D together for years and years and years. And then instead of ending it like a documentary, we turn it into a mockumentary and make some big fight, and a dragon comes out, and some chainmail bikini chick, and then it just goes to chaos. <laughs> Why? Just because I hate when docs just Why? end and they fade Why? out. Like six months later, you know, you're reading about Why? what's happening. Why? Why not turn Why? it into like Why? a crazy Why? Why do you, thing? Why do you feel the need to make that to make that move, that switch? I like I like I said I like messing with people. They'll be watching this kind of endearing. Fun, quirky D and D documentary. Yeah, and then some chick in a chainmail bikini with an AK forty seven. You don't care if like, it pisses people off. Like they've invested, no. they've invested because uh, they they'll get the gist of the movie, the, you know. And, but I'll just end it in like a fun way, which is all about what D and D is imagining. You know? Yeah. Anyways, so there's that idea too. But we've done documentaries, you know. We actually we're talking about a lot of different projects we got that we can do. But I would love to do Spencerville. Let me ask you this, and so people can know, what's the future of Bong of the Living Dead? When can we see it? How can we see it eventually? What's what's the latest going on with that movie? Eventually, where's it going to land? Well, we have a really exciting festival schedule set up for 2018. All right. Uh, we have submitted to 30 film festivals, I believe. Um, we have heard back from a few. Uh, we will be announcing those as they kind of announce... Um, but they're all over the country. And if you announce it, where can people find out about those announcements? So the best place is to hit us on Facebook, Bong the Living Dead. Uh, you can There's a Bong the Living Dead page, or you can uh, go like Backwards Slate Productions, my film page. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the best place to keep up with these things. Uh, there is a website. You can go to bongthelivingdead.com. I don't really like the website, you know, but uh, we're working on that. Um, really, social media is kind of the best place to find us. Or search Max Grow, G-R-O-A-H. Yeah. Find me on the face. And the hopes are to get this yeah, we streaming platforms, Netflix, Amazon. The, the, the goal right now, we don't really know what avenue we're going to take, whether it's a self-distribution. We print a bunch of Blu-rays and sell them ourselves, or we try to go you know, take it to market and sell it for someone else to do that or put it online. We, or, we're just going to try to hit the festival circuit really hard this year, get some laurels, get people to see it. Yeah. And ultimately, I just want people, to, as many people as possible to see it. If and we have to put it up on the website for free, pay as you go, pay what you want or pay nothing. If it's just going to be pirated, you know, and on, 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 on Pirate Bay, uh, you know, a couple of weeks after we put it out in some form, let's just give it away. Let's just get people to see it, you know. And as you're still not officially announced executive producer uh someone needs to start working on the pilot for the bong of the living bourbon Dead's. of the dead no bourbon of the <gasps> yeah. oh okay That's, no, uh, i met i was going back to the series did, we do bourbon of the dead we do bourbon of the dead that's a good sequel that's a good sequel yeah right yeah okay but i'm still i'm still man i i, I hear that i see i see the series I see the series. I see people falling in love with all those characters and watching them go through the zombie apocalypse on a on a thirteen episode basis. Yeah, I'm I'm, it. it can happen. I'm telling you, that film has got the potential to be 
a series. If I can give you any advice, which you just said earlier, because I asked the perp- I asked the question on purpose, if you would take <laughs> suggestions and advice, that is my advice to you. I, I think it's good advice. I that, really do. That, 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 I appreciate that. you saying so. I love the characters too. So if they don't have to be dead. You can start and by dead. Up. I mean, yeah. not in another movie. In another movie, yeah. Some start. of them are dead, but they could be zombies. No, they, 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 you know what? It's based on the movie and the series. As you know, series have always taken a little, slightly different slant whenever necessary. Yeah. They've taken cinematic license. We can do that Star Trek thing with like yes. a time warp, and so anything we do you is do, like that, It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. It can be based on Bong of the Living Dead and just start fresh, One, one line of dialogue. That's all you need. One line of dialogue. Well, that's it. Start Thank fresh. Thank God we found the time space continuum warper device. <laughs> You're thinking <laughs> too much. One line of dialogue. You're it's thinking done. too much. You're thinking way too much. Uh, but uh, uh, best of luck with it. Uh, continued success with everything. Max Grow has been our guest. The guest bottle has been Stag Jr. Uh, Maxi, Maximus. I, 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 I do variations on the name. You would have been, uh, by the way, side note, you would have been like an awesome Roman emperor. <laughs> In velour. Yeah, in velour. Right, right? Yeah. Maximus. Yeah. Maximus Grow. I, I'm, I'm telling you, would have been, you would have. Uh, you Maximus Valorius. Valorius. With the velour jumpsuit. <laughs> Maximus Valorius. Yeah. <laughs> Jot that down. <laughs> I could get velour laurels and call them velorals. You would have been an awesome Roman Empire. Your reign would have been a long one, friend. Yes. Yes. And spend many a nights in the vomitorium. <laughs> All right. Like I said, Max Grow has been our guest. Bong of the Living Dead is the movie. Also, Big Max, the documentary. Uh, some things will be happening with that. And also, uh, the 48 Hours uh, winning film here in Columbus, which will be at Filmapalooza, is entitled... Uh, the Death of Marat. It's playing in Paris. That's Filmapalooza. There you go. For the 48 hour. Before we go, i got to thank our sponsors once again. Uh, the Marcus Cinema at, at Crosswoods, if you want to check out their 70-foot wide ultra screen and a full bar and food and those sweet Dream Lounger seats, Marcus Cinema at Crosswoods here in Columbus, Ohio. And, of course... Uh, the law offices of Saya and Pyatt, located in Columbus, Delaware, Cleveland, and Mount Gilead, splaws.com, 888-OVI-Ohio.com, or call them the old-fashioned way at 614-444-3036. You can contact them for a free consultation today. Uh, award-winning lawyers with over 100 years of experience and the reputation to stand behind it. Whiskey Business is a Never the Luck production. I want to thank my producer, Greg Hansberry, as always, who makes the magic and uh, makes makes us sound so, so good week after week. Also recorded with the cooperation of the Columbus Radio Group. All the opinions on Whiskey Business are those of me, your host, Dino Tripotas, and my reluctant guests, or not so reluctant at times. And I never meant to offend, only to entertain and inform. So, until... The next bottle. See ya. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. 
We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.